I'm about to die and I don't have a million dollars. Coincidences? Quintidae? Quintidae? Is this? Is this? The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. We should just talk until we feel like we're about to say something interesting and then start recording. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, stop. Press record. <laughs> I mean, this one that I'm editing today, I did not oh, even yeah, listen to the first hour. I told you, yeah, it started at like an hour in. I was like, I asked you about Alien. Like, you just started yeah. there. Am I recording? This I is a recording. high quality podcast, honestly. I People are going to discover it one day and they're going to be like, wow. Our mom likes it. Yeah, she's following us. So we've got two followers, my mom and our dad. She said she liked the last one, the one about the four turnings. Oh, yeah. Apparently... Oh, I popped my pee. Apparently, you gotta put that splash filter. <laughs> oh. Apparently, oh my God. <laughs> hold it like a wand in front of your face. The um, so then so that whenever it was you posted that thing, Karen called me immediately, and then last night. Oh my God, I have so much to tell you. I just remembered. Oh my God! Okay. I, I don't know where Here we, we start. Work. We're starting the podcast right now. Honestly, I don't know where to start. So I'll just tell it as like a, a narrative and I'll just throw in all the little pieces. So we'll start with this. Last night, I'm like, we're about to move toward the, to the bedroom. So I was going to like rinse off, but Kim went out to check the chickens or whatever. And which is not a euphemism. She's, we literally have chickens. And, um, I'm like rinsing a dish off or something and the window's open and I hear my phone buzzing and I'm like, what is this? Uh, I grab my phone, which is on like the other side of the kitchen and it's Kim who's just outside. But and usually that means something. If she's calling me while we're at the house and she's at the chickens, like sometimes that means bloodbath, you know, something bad happened. <clears throat> so I'm like, oh God. Mm. So I grabbed the phone. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, come outside right now, right now, come outside. And I was like, oh my God. And I literally was like, shit, should I go grab the gun? Cause you know, it could be a fox, could be anything. Like, oh you know, my God. what do you do? So she's like, so I'm like looking around. She's like, hurry, hurry, hurry. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I just run out that, uh, out the house and she goes, look up, look up, look up. And I'm like, what, what is it? And I'm looking up at the sky. And I'm like, I, I don't see anything. What, what, what's happening? And she's like, just look over there, look over the tree line. And just as I look up there, I see the, this, I don't know, like string of lights is what it looks like floating in the air. And I'm like, oh my God. So I get the phone. I'm trying to record. I can't get the fucking camera to work, but um, it goes over the tree line. So then I just literally start, I'm like, should we get in the car? And I just start running. And uh, I get to the other side of the road to my neighbor's house and I can see this object. I don't know what it is. I think I'm seeing some kind of like crazy government thing or some kind of fake UFO thing. I sent you a picture of it, didn't I? 
Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought immediately when you sent it to me. I was like, oh my God, are these UFOs that you found or something? Dude, or I was, I was tripping out. Here, I think I have a video of myself. Listen to my reaction here. I'm just We're playing play clips of ourselves yeah. on the pod now. <laughs> this is really great content. No, we could take this out just so you can hear me. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it. Oh in. my god, I cannot fucking get it. Hang on, hang on. <gasps> what the fuck is that? <gasps> oh my. Ow, God. <laughs> Wild, right? Should we get in the car? There's, I mean, you can't see it. You just hear me running. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm just trying to find a vantage point. What the fuck? I'm watching the video, and to be honest, as I'm even as I'm looking at, even even as I'm looking at it right now, it really was a sight to behold. So yeah, I discovered so what I, was it? Yeah. yeah, so we figured out what it was. My story's not done yet, but let's just take a pause on this, and we could talk oh, okay. about it. But so we, I called you by the way last night immediately. But oh, you didn't answer. I, didn't get it. I know. I think oh. I was because I was across the street at my, my at the old lady's house across the road. I think my Wi-Fi was like trying to hook up. You know, it was like I was just too far away for my phone to figure out what to do. So I couldn't. I like called you like five times. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta call somebody. So I ran back to the house, mm. and I was like, whatever. I I just called mom, and I was like, mom. I saw a UFO. I mean, I was like tripping out. Yeah, you could tell <laughs> by my reaction on that video. And uh, anyway, so it turns out it's called a, or I've heard it called, or seen it called on online like articles a uh, Starlink satellite tr- train mm. from SpaceX, the Elon Musk thing. Which, by the way, we could talk about this, but but quick side note on that: there's something. I mean. Everything on the internet is like, this is like, a, like it, everyone, people have seen these things and they all say it's for affordable internet for people all around the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Obviously. <laughs> what? Obviously that's bullshit. Are you kidding me? No. We don't, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. The amount, there's, first of all, there's already internet in a lot of places we have cell phone towers. They're not that expensive to make a cell phone tower. You know what's really expensive is to launch satellites on rockets into outer space. That's expensive. So I just think there's something else going on with those. You know, so I'll also add this. It really was a sight, like like I was saying, like a sight to behold. It was wild to see that thing because it was traveling. It was like, so I guess what they are is like multiple satellites so it looked like maybe 20 to 50 i don't know it was quite a few i think actually i think i looked at the most recent launch was like 20 something or 21 or 20 something satellites so i guess they're all in a they're freakishly like all in a perfect line and not deviating so it to the naked eye at at nighttime it looked like 
a um, one object. Mm, and like there a must string have just... or a train of satellites. Yeah, or like like the, maybe the sky was too dark, so I couldn't see the mass, but it was just like a line of windows on the bottom of a blimp. Like, I, you know, or some... It could have been a huge shape, could have been a football size thing. I all I could see though was these lines because I had just run out there, and my eyes had to adjust to the darkness. So when I first saw it, the sky looked much darker to my eyes. Mm. And as I looked back up after I couldn't see it anymore, my eyes had adjusted. I was like, if there was a mass behind it, would I have seen it? Because now the sky to me looked bright because it was a huge moon. And I also wonder what does that look like during the day. But I'll and there was something. It's not quite. Like the negative connotation to this isn't quite there as much as it sounds, but it could be. It just kind of depends on how you're thinking about it. But it, it, the word that comes to mind, one of the words that comes to mind is like ominous. Like it was really weird because it was clearly large mm. and it was moving in a very, it's just kind of unnatural, you know? It was so straight. None of them were deviating. Like I said, look like one object. And it wasn't even flying in like a perfectly straight line. It was like, imagine like a pencil, like a massive, I don't know, like <laughs> the world's bus, largest pencil, like a school bus sized pencil with just like white <laughs> lights coming out of, out of it in a line. But instead of flying straight with the point going perfectly straight, it's like it was angled ever so slightly, but still moving straight, but not along the axis of the length of the pencil, but like at a cockeyed kind of, it just was weird. So, anyway, that was an experience I had last night. Weird. Well, I don't know about it being a conspiracy. I mean, I think the business is to provide internet and whatnot. Now, could there be ulterior motives or whatever, like secret other purposes? Maybe. I don't know. I'm less less inclined to believe that. uh, But maybe. A lot of his funding comes from military and I mean, he launches his shit from military bases, so I don't know. I'm just, yeah, could be. I'm definitely open to the possibility. I will say though, regardless of that, it probably is the experience you had of it, like the things in the sky. That is a little weird. Just like, what are we doing as people? Like, what is this? People created that. What's going on? Is that safe? Is that okay? Also, there's so many things I want to know about it. Like. How far away was that? What would that have looked like in the daytime? Could I have seen these satellites? Was there some mass behind them or was it so far? Because afterwards I was looking up and I saw we live in a very, very heavy flight path. Flight We're near multiple airports. Mm-hmm. But we also must be in a flight path because we'll see there's planes that are so low you can almost throw a rock at them. And there's planes from like a local airport. There's Hartsfield-Jackson in Atlanta. And then I see planes way, way up there. Plus, there's Mathis Airport. Did I say that? No, I don't anyway, think so. So there's all these little airports and everything. And I saw this airplane that must have been a, looked like a commercial airplane because it was already really high up. It was at night just after I saw this. And it was about this. And so all you could see was just a light, just a moving, you know, when you're looking up at the night sky and you see an airplane, it's just like one, looks like a star just moving across the sky. And that's about what these look like, but just like 50 of them in a perfect line or Mm. 20 of them in a perfect line. And uh, it was weird. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so is that, uh, is that the end of your story or, you Mm -hmm. know, what do you have to say about all this? Well, we could talk about that more because it's, that's interesting. But when I called mom and I was like, 
I saw a UFO. And I was like, you should go out because it looked like it was heading towards her side of town. I was like, we could maybe see this thing. And um, that's when she told me that Karen had listened to the podcast. And she was like, Karen, Karen is our aunt, our great like aunt. That. Some kind something of relative. Like that. Someone we Second hardly cousin, ever see. maybe? I don't yeah. know. But um, she, apparently, the reason she was so excited, because I guess she called mom too, and it was because we talked about that book, The Fourth Turning, which apparently she just read and apparently told our mother that it was one of her favorite books she's read in a long time. What? Interesting, right? So, oh my God. That's so that, weird. That's like so serendipitous. I've been experiencing so much synchronicity lately. It is unbelievable. Like, just why the amount think, of things. Why yeah, do you think ahead. that is? I have questions about this because it happens to me too. And there's, I don't know if it's becoming. So I feel like almost any coincidence that happens, I'm not a statistician, but I feel like almost <laughs> any coincidence that happens, the pos- the likelihood of it happening is in, is near zero. It's almost impossible for weird. Co- so here's an example. I was driving the other day to pick something up from the store and we have to pass this like nature path thing that crosses the street. So people, you stop for people. It's like a trail. Yeah. And it's just a crossing there. And so as I get there, there's this lady and this guy, very distinguishable. So I pass, let them pass. I go all the way to the store. I do what I need to do. I get back in the car. I come back down the road. I'm almost back to the house. I'm crossing that thing again. They're walking back. I have to stop again for the same group, the same two people coming back. Mm. Very, I mean, it absolutely meaningless, but so oh bizarre that that timing but, would work out like that. That's almost an impossible timing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, how? it's weird that you say that too, because I last night went to dinner and we were walking to the restaurant and we passed these people on the street just randomly. It was a weird group of three men. And I don't know why I thought they were weird. I thought they all looked the same, which is why I thought it was. I was like, are these people triplets? Like identical triplets? Is that a thing? <laughs> but anyway, totally. I I saw these three men. And then the exact same thing happened that you just said. Which When we left, we passed them again. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is so weird. And obviously, they probably just had dinner at the same time. But it's just interesting that you brought that up because that was another serendipitous thing that I saw. It- it's not impossible. Like it is the same street, you know, like clearly they're not walking that far. I'm not driving that far. People drive all the time to not very far distances and come back the same way. They were, you know, it's just, but, but it's still so still, I think if you did the math on that, like what I could almost imagine the equation, you know, of like distance and time traveled both in these two directions, they intersect at one point, like what's the likelihood that of that but then one you have to pick meeting point where you see them happening of all the right. different options they could have you know taken or whatever and the first encounter is random it would almost be impossible to calculate because i had to leave at the exact time from my house and they had to leave the exact time from the wherever their car right, right. to have that interaction so that could be random but then for it to continue to have like coincidences seems really yes. yeah crazy it's like wait again like and it yeah. doesn't and for their and so if you were really spiritual or whatever about it, you'd be like, you might think missed opportunity, like some that happened for some reason. And I could have investigated and like come to some. Hmm. Or it's conclusion. just a sign from God or something. It's like, a, you know, lock that away or something. Just to know that, hey, by the way, you live in a simulation, like that kind of thing. 
or, or whatever. Like, yeah, maybe it means something. Yeah. So another quick little story, and we could t- keep t- keep talking about that or the Elon Musk thing, but this little piece is not as interesting, but it just, it did happen to me. So I'm starting this mushroom business thing. And so you buy, so I buy this, um, so a couple of years ago or like a year ago, I bought this pressure canner or so I thought. So, oh my God, I go, I finally, this year, I'm like, just recently I buy a real one and there's basically only two brands and it comes in the mail two days ago. And on that day I open it and I use it and I just bought this other setup. It was like 50 bucks. So these canners aren't cheap. The canner is like a hundred and 30 bucks or something like that, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And I you, you you can put them on outdoor burners, but they have to be a specific kind. So I bought the right kind and all this stuff. Anyways, I put it in my greenhouse just to be out of the wind because it was super windy and it heats up. I watch it on at full pressure for like two hours. So in all, I've been sitting there for like three hours watching this thing, just like monitoring it, making sure everything's going right. It's the first time I've used it. It's the first time I've really used the heating element for this long anyway so i'm like okay i've probably got like an hour left (laughs) i walk away for like 15 minutes and i'm like i'm gonna go check on that thing one more time i just want to make sure it didn't run out of water or anything weird happen i walk outside the fucking greenhouse is on fire whoa yeah and the greenhouse is connected to the shed which is about 20 to 30 feet by like a hundred feet bigger than our house and made of wood really old a huge barn shed yeah so if it would have gone up it would have been on the news for sure um luckily i caught it but the thing so the it was hooked to a propane hose and a tank the floor had caught on fire the pan and the burner had fallen through the floor and it was sitting the pan the pot was sitting cockeyed stuck in the hole the hole was on fire and the fire was being fed continuously by the hose to the propane tank which had melted in half and was just spewing propane straight into the hole of fire and what? i was like oh my god should I even like go in there? Bomb. it was terrifying i like i run out there and i all i can think to do is just turn the gas off and I'm afraid that if I walk in there, I'm going to like cause an air pocket. I'm going to push in a bubble of air and it's going to make, make a mess out of the something. gas and just blow. I don't know. I'm like, oh, God. So I run in there. I cut that thing off. I run back to the house and I'm like, there's a fire. And I just start grabbing like things and filling them with water and running out there, just dumping water, bucket after bucket of water. Finally, I got it out. But uh, that was terrifying. Uh... And yeah, is my there some pen, serendipitousness in that? No, <laughs> it's just bullshit. It's just part of the stories, the few things that I hadn't told you about in the past little while. So, and that, so, so many bummers. First of all, I had to start my whole process over. It ruined a couple, a little bit of the material that I was working with. That was a brand new item. So mm. this thing is like on fire when i get out there like the handles are like cracked and like getting coming loose like it's not a good situation and it just pissed me off because it's brand new the whole thing was completely black after that Mm. and it was i just opened it out of the box and i'm like i can't return it and be like oh it's defective because it's like black 
I cleaned it and it. I tried it again yesterday and it still works. Thank God. I had to repurchase all the burner equipment. So that's $100 in the hole, but whatever. Anyway, so that was really a crazy little thing. Um, Yeah. Wow, you're trying to blow the place down. Um, Weird. Yeah, I was thinking it's kind of like serendipitous that you thought to go out there and check it. Like otherwise you could have just uh, blown the whole place up. That's crazy. It was lucky. I was, I cannot describe how upset I was. I was so mad. I literally just sat on the porch in this plastic chair for like an hour, just staring off in the distance, just like <laughs> mulling it over, thinking about how oh. fucked up it was. And I was, I was like, I mean, I could cry. Like I wasn't that emotional. I'm about, like right now. Oh my God. But I knew it would pass, so I just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there, and uh, eventually got better. But hmm. it, well, I, I, the next day, I could appreciate the fact that like I didn't burn the whole entire property to the ground, and that the likelihood of that happening was definitely there, considering the situation at hand. I'm lucky that I bought that that special hose it cost extra money and i didn't want to do it and i had one that i thought i could make work and i tried it and it kind of worked it caught a little bit on fire and i was like eh, i don't know i think this is a little the psi coming out of this thing's a little too high so like the flame wasn't able to vacuum the way gas burners work is weird like there's they're not all connected like it's literally using the heat to kind of like suck the little bit of gas through so i think that regulator which had like two kind of regulating features on it saved me so if I had used that other one and not spent that extra money, it's likely that that would have been far worse because I think the difference was like an order of mag, like multiple orders of magnitude. I think like mine was like a hundred to somewhere in the low thousands. I remember the one that I looked at that I was using originally was like 35,000 something. I don't know what was coming, but it all I know is a lot more gas would have been pumping through that thing. So I won't make that mistake again. Definitely don't put that kind of burner on a wood floor so <laughs> oh my god yeah i was gonna say it's probably it also seems improbable that you bought that special hose or whatever that more expensive one that may have ended up helping you i know and uh, i yeah part of me is like i never do this kind of thing and then part of me wonders or do i always do this kind of thing like i don't know i was there were so many emotions <laughs> yes. going on i'm like i really don't want someone like kim to ever be like well, you remember that time we did this? I mean, I'm, you know, just say, make some generality about me and then like use that as an example. Cause I'm like, that's, that's, hmm. I can't believe that happened. Like that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want you, like, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. I am not the person who burns the house down. Okay. In, in hindsight, putting it on that floor was stupid. And I oh actually thought about dousing the floor with water before I started, but I was like, eh, who cares? I don't want to ruin the floors with water. It's just an outdoor greenhouse. It's not that big a deal, but <sighs> anyway. anyway. And anyway. I cut well, lumber, so it's full of lumber. I mean, I cannot describe how big of a fire that would have been. I mean, f that SpaceX satellite would have stopped and taken a good long look at that. <laughs> we would have been seen from space. Uh, well, back to the serendipity thing. That's so interesting that you said all that because I also, so I was talking with some coworkers and two coworkers in the same day mentioned to me, like, so we had been talking about the four turnings that you mentioned that our aunt 
you know, had listened to our podcast and she had just read the book. And then now Someone you were I was, talking to is talking about that same thing. I, well, they weren't talking about the four turnings necessarily, but they were talking about the same ideas. Mm. And so they were kind of saying like, oh, yeah, two of them mentioned like, I think one of them literally said, I think things are going in the wrong direction and things seem to be getting worse. And she was like, and I, you know, realistically, she's like, I think it's going to have to be the Gen Z people who like the young people who help us figure it out. And it's going to be a while before they, you know, get into positions of power and society and whatnot. Were these two separate conversations or were like, so yes. or did you, you were talking all at one time together. You were all mentioned. No, oh, no. So two totally separate. separate. Okay. Yeah. So it was so weird. And then, yeah, the other one was kind of similar saying, you know, like, oh, yeah, young people are going to, you know, change the world or whatever. And I just, you know, because usually I don't hear a lot of positive stuff about Gen Z and it doesn't even come up, you know. But yeah. then on the same day, I heard two people say really positive things about the younger generation and how they were really going to yeah, help us out in the future and you know, be movers and shakers, so to speak, or whatever. And yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting. And maybe, yeah, we could use this to talk about like synchronicity or coincidence, like because it is confusing, like what is going on exactly? Because you think on one hand, you know, it's like statistically improbable, um, like these events happening, but and maybe that's just weird. Like, what does that mean? Uh, you know, but then you could think, oh, well, that's just like your life is also just as statistically improbable. Everything is just as random and crazy. And it's just uh, your awareness of things like recognition because you've thought of things recently. It's like you're more likely to see them in the future or whatever. Like when you and I think that is a little bit of a phenomenon. Like if you read about something or learn a new word, all of a sudden you'll start seeing it everywhere. Um, and that's just kind of like before you weren't really perceiving it, um, but now you are. And so it's not like it's showing up all of a sudden, but it's just that you are perceiving it more. Um, but regardless, there's still the fact of like to you, it's a coincidental sort of occurrence experientially because. Um, that's called the, uh, by the way, the I think it's called the batter meinhof phenomenon. Oh, when you when you learn like it's that's when you like learn something and then you see it everywhere. Mm. I think there's, I don't know if there's another word for like, if you are seeing the same number everywhere, like that's like not something you learn, but may, I think it is still the same phenomenon like that. So it's definitely a thing. Okay. Well, cause that's the thing. Yeah. I wanted to get you just there at the end was like, because regardless, if you try to like explain the, the objective reality of it, like how maybe statistically improbable is, or like the, you know, mechanics of well you didn't know it before and now you know it so now you're seeing it everywhere regardless of that there's the interesting phenomenological aspect of it where it's like you experience it as like coincidence and synchronicity and and something that's implied there I think is like meaning like you're noticing something as like a pattern and that that pattern has meaning and you could notice a lot of other patterns but you don't, it's like you're, you're noticing this pattern, particularly, and you're calling it like a coincidence. Um, and so there's something, I think, rich there for exploration, maybe. Like when people, like religious people are like, oh, that's a sign or whatever. It's like, well, I mean, literally, it's kind of like you're pointing to it and saying that's a sign, like by saying it's a coincidence. Like something is there that's ripe for psychological exploration, maybe. 
Yeah. I think it's like I'm of two minds. The So my Karen example. So Karen mm-hmm. listens to the podcast and she's like, I just heard about, or I just read that book. Right? Well, so did I. Like I got the book and she got the book. Why did that happen? That's interesting. Or is it? That book has been mentioned by more than one prominent enough figure. Mm. And by when I say prominent figure, all interactions with prominent figures come is all through the same medium. And this is kind of the crux of my point. That medium is known as the internet. Everything is on the internet. Every, most experiences, a lot of experiences, I don't want to know. I don't know if most is <laughs> Most experiences, oh God. But a lot of, most of the social encounters I think that people have, the majority of those seem to be online now. And. Well, at least the internet's a big part of your life for sure. Right. And that guy that wrote that book is writing a sequel. So there's like a marketing aspect of it. There's the fact that it's been talked about a couple times. And so the coincidence, the level of coincidence, I think is reduced by the fact that that is occurring at the same time. And mm, Sure, yeah, yeah. Could be explained so, by that. Now, I think that that's actually, we'll get back to the meaningfulness stuff in a minute, because I think that this is actually a weird, possibly dangerous situation because whether there's any nefarious actors in the world or not, which there are plenty, it is the internet itself and the fact that we have all these interactions is shaping the reality that we live in. It's like constructing... Like it can manufacture shared experiences and whatnot and maybe even be used to sway the people into having certain kinds of experiences collectively or whatnot. I mean, it absolutely is because that book made it to me and her through... I can't, I'll ask her, but I'm sure she heard of it somewhere on the internet, you know, or somebody told her about it who heard about it on the internet. Granted, it's an interesting theory, but there's lots of things in the world. Hmm. There's infinite things in the world that could, could be, you know, the center of your attention or have some of your attention. But in fact, now it's only what is on, it's mostly what's just on the internet for the most, for most people. And I think that is super easy to manipulate. Sure. Well, yeah, I guess there's a little question of like, it's definitely happening. Like we're having shared experiences because of the internet. Now how controlled that is or like whether people do that and with intention or whatever, I don't know. But, and maybe. Even if it isn't, even if there's no intentionality behind it, the fact that things are set up in like this hierarchical way. So like there's like, well, there's our podcast and then there's, People like Tim Pool or Rachel Maddow or Alex Jones or Joe Rogan. And those people have a ton of influence. So that book, I would not be surprised if that book rippled into the consciousness of the internet through a single mention on a major platform. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Joe Rogan just has to mention it one time and there's gonna ha- it's going to have this ripple effect where then Tim Pool will talk about it. Then Sam Tripoli will talk about it. Then this person will talk about it. And then those people who are listening, those millions of people, are going to one or two percent, maybe, maybe less, but still some portion might actually buy the book or he- hear what someone said about it and tell someone else about it. And that just kind of keeps 
it may have an expiration to it, like the ripple effect, you know, eventually dies out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it also maybe leaves some kind of imprint on society. And that is really odd. Well, I mean, it's really interesting. Yeah, that was the other weird thing I was thinking is, so one thought I have when I experienced this kind of like multiple people telling me about this four turnings kind of topic, subject matter, um, I thought, oh, you know, it's kind of curious how similar people are. Like, I think my perception is generally like, oh, people are really different, have super different interests, um, whatnot, are encountering different things, reading different things. But then I guess it was very affirming in some weird way, affirming I don't know of what, but that all these people are like, oh, yeah, like things aren't going in the right direction and we need some change and maybe the young people are going to be the change we need. Let's get back to that. So what were your two, I mean, did you already expose it all? Like what were those two conversations essentially? Yeah, they were just random conversations at work. I basically exposed it all. Just like the fact that they both brought that up, like things are going the wrong direction. Young people might be the change we need. And I thought to me, yeah, like I think it's easy to see other people or other citizens as like, being proponents of the negative change that you see in society or something. Mm -hmm. And then to have a people around you that, you know, these are coworkers, they're not like people I know super deeply, um, to be like, oh, they also think this too, like that things are not going in the right way. And then it's like kind of like, oh, actually, probably the majority of people feel that way. And so it is kind of interesting also too to note that even is just like, then why are things still going that way if the majority of people think that it's not the right way? Yeah, did did they say these two people? Did they either of them have like a a sector of society or reality that they believed the problems existed in? Like, was it politically, uh, social issues, or was it just kind of like implied all of that stuff? Yeah, I think it implied all of that. And one one difference was interesting. So one is older, and one was kind of younger. Like one's kind of my age. And one's kind of older. So that was even like they were both saying it from different generational vantage points. Interesting. Yeah. Like one is a mother. She has a child. So and yeah, so that's a different life stage even too. Hold on. Wait, I'm going to go pee. I'll be right back. Can we take a quick break? So, yeah. Do you think there is, should we even talk about this? I don't know. Like, do you think there is something to, because we're kind of on the the cusp of two different topics. One is, one I feel like we've talked about before and we could talk about again, but the other being this, the meaningfulness of, of apparent coincidences, coincidai, coincidi, coincidai. I like coincidies. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I wish I could think of other. I mean, I feel like it does happen all the time. Where, yeah. Well, where where I that mean, kind of thing? I, I've got to read this book. I'll I'll have to report back on it. But because young, so that was the other thing I was going to say too. It's not a. So you could say the internet has maybe exacerbated, or maybe we experience uh, more serendipity or synchronicity because of the internet. Uh, but Young wrote about it uh, a long time ago. Like one of his works is called like On Synchronicity, which is this exact thing. And other psychologists were also interested in this. And so it's not a new phenomenon. Like, and that was obviously before the internet. That was back um, in the mid 1900s. 
So, um, so this has always been a thing, I think, uh, in the psychological life of people, at least as far back as we can tell. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know what's going on. And I think, uh, well, it's like anything. So you could think about just your perceptions in general. It's like, you only perceive the things that are relevant to you in some fundamental sense. Like, we don't have a perception of the magnetic fields of the Earth. Um, that's not relevant to us uh, for our survival, per se. Uh, and you could just, you could say, well, how do we know that? And you could say, well, because we haven't died without having that sense. Um, that's like an evolutionary argument. But pigeons, for example, do have a sense of mag magnetic fields. I mean, I think other birds do as well. But my point being like, so your perceptions are, you know, what's directly relevant to you. And so thinking about, you know, any, take any instance, you know, like any photograph of your memory or, you know, just what you're perceiving right now, there's obviously a lot of information coming into your your body, you know, from your smell to your visual system to what, how you feel from your in, inside as well, like what's going on inside your body. Um, and so there's lots of sensory input that you get and you don't readily perceive all these things. Um, a lot of it is not bubbling up, as we may say metaphorically, into conscious awareness. Like your body may you know, be monitoring like your heart rate or your blood pressure, but you're not aware of that. Um, and or your body may be monitoring in some sense, like the periphery of your vision, even though you may not be aware of that. Like if someone they've done these memory examples, like if a car drove by, you know, and it's in your periphery, you don't really have good recall of what it looked like if it even drove by, blah, blah, blah. So there's lots of things that happen that you don't readily perceive. And so my point with that was that with this serendipity, this like coincidence, synchronicity, there is something interesting about it because you could say like there's an order to the universe. Everything has structure. And so everything should seem coincidental or whatever, should seem synchronous. And yet you have an experience of particular things seeming synchronous. And these are particular things that have jumped into your conscious awareness so they're of the all the things you've experienced they're already within a limited subset of things so they're already the things that are hyper relevant to you and then within those things those things are already patterned because the world is organized and has order like we have you know natural laws like gravity and cause and effect and so you know it's not like everything is truly random so it is weird that what the hell's going on with like these weird few instances. And I think that that was what I was saying earlier. It's like, I think it signals something to you. And I don't know. I don't know what it means. I think it's just like, like the fact that we're having a coincidence at all is the, it, that's the most meaningful thing. Not what the, <laughs> it's not what the coincidence is. It's not that you drove by the same person twice or walked, ran into them. You know, that's not the, maybe nothing meaningful in a deep sense there, but, but what at least one thing that it possibly reveals is that there is order to things and that that's your senses or your amalgamation of all your senses in that particular moment, noticing and picking up on the order for just a split second. Hmm. Is that, I feel like that's what you were saying. Is that, 
Yeah, not what you're saying exactly. Yeah, I guess maybe it is that. Maybe it's that your perception is generally of disorder and that you're recognizing the order. Because I was saying kind of that you're like reality already is intrinsically structured. Like otherwise it wouldn't make sense. Um, you wouldn't be able to have a self-concept that spans time uh, from past to present to future. So because if it weren't structured, like that is the structure, like personality like is a structure that spans across time and space. And you could think about yourself as being that structure. Like, well, not, what, yeah, nothing would ever become familiar to you. Every single right. experience would be like basically terrifying. You would never know what's <laughs> yes, going to happen. Crazy. Next, you know? yeah. Every, every new like tree you walked by, you'd be like, what is that? Like, is, is that stable? <laughs> Can I lean on that? Ah, you know, like you would have, you have to like form some picture of reality. To live with right. It. You wouldn't know who you are. You're like, how do I behave in this situation? It would be like if you had no patterns or tendencies or order or structure to your behavior, it would just be like, I don't know. I just I act completely randomly. <laughs> and that would be terrifying. Well, I, I think that being human in that way is the kind of is why maybe we miss out on so much of the order and meaning to, to life or at least currently because we're hmm. so we are so malleable. And so we can have this like, ex- we can be so troubled internally, you know, because we have, who knows why is it? Because we have free will. So we, everything's ordered, but I can do anything. And we have the sense that like, I, I could do anything in the world. And it's not that anything that doesn't have that sense of self or that kind of awareness is like fucked in any way. Cause like nature has, animals in nature starve, you know, sometimes they can't they don't get what they need or whatever but and from a outsider's perspective we go but that's also part of the order so like it controls overpopulation i mean here where i live sometimes mm-hmm. they used to i think they still do this they have to like hey everybody come out and just kill the deer like just because there's they get become like a hazard they're all over the roads they're in gardens and agriculture i mean it's just you have to keep that population down because we've ran out We've run out all the predators, I guess. You know, there's not very no wolves running around. There's some coyotes, but you know, there's a lot of deer everywhere. You can almost almost if you look every single day of the week in Georgia, you could see a deer. So <laughs> that's true. So that's a thing that has some natural order to it, but and 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 even the death of, or the starvation coupled with that they experienced those turmoils non-human animals experience those turmoils much i i believe to a far lesser degree than we do the propensity for human beings to suffer is so much greater and I, i've given the example before of that herd of deer i saw i think it was in florida uh and i was looking out of the balcony of a hotel and there was like a big green area like a pipeway mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. whatever they call those um and there, I, this herd of deer, or whatever they call a herd of deer, and one of them had a broken leg that was bending. The knee joint is supposed to bend in a particular direction. It this deer had one leg that was bending in the opposite direction. Clearly, it's but it was still just grazing grass. It wasn't like going, oh, oh fuck, somebody. Uh. Like what a human would do, you know, they'd be like, you could, if a human might look at their arm like that and just start convulsing and vomiting and coming ill from looking at it and they would be complaining and all humans surrounding them 
would feel like they were completely dignified and right to be complaining and to be so troubled by the fact that their elbow is bending the opposite direction that it used to bend, you know? Mm. And if you were walking around like that deer, in fact, people would be like, yo, dude, are you okay? What's wrong with you? You need to go to the doctor. You know what I mean? Like it's a problem. So I think something about being human and having that kind of experience, that kind of like free will, that knowledge that, or that feeling like there's maybe not anything, but there's kind of like a basically infinite directions I can go, things I can do, choices to be made. I'm not guided solely by my nature, but by whatever else, the intellect or spirit or whatever people want to call the other motivating force within a human. And that that makes the, maybe that makes the coincidence seem meaningful because we don't see it all the time, but we do. And when it, when it happens to us particularly, that would, that's, I don't know what that is, but it's like, if, if it is us tapping, I think what I'm saying is if, if it is us tapping mm. into reality, then it's like, of course, it would be jarring. Cause you'd be like, Oh, what does that mean? Like, is there, oh, is there no, something I, think... I should be, you know what I'm saying? Like it makes it, yeah. like, maybe I should actually do something different or maybe I, I don't know. Why is there order like this happening around? That's me? a good way to put it. Cause if I think about my, the moments recently where I experienced some serendipity, it was that it almost like counteracted some notions that I had, like where I thought that there wasn't order, there actually was. And I kind of like unsuspected order, the realization of unsuspecting order, where I had presumed that there was no order, like kind of how I was saying earlier, like I kind of presumed that society is kind of disordered. Like there's a lot of people maybe self-interested and that's why we're going in a bad direction because we don't agree on what's going on. But then I realized I had this serendipitous moment. Oh, like multiple people are agreeing with me and have very similar views on things aren't going very well. We should change direction. And that was like, oh, actually society and reality is very ordered in a way that I had suspected it wasn't. Yeah, because here's one that actually is very common. It used to be more common to me, which is even more shocking that it that it was more common in the past. Because while we didn't have cell phones when I was younger, like some people did, some people didn't. It wasn't like huge, but it was starting to catch on, but nothing like what we have now. This is the common thing that I feel like everybody has had this experience. You were just thinking of somebody and they called you on the phone mm. in that moment. Like that yeah. is unexp- that seems to me to be unexplainable because it's not like, well, of course your best friend was thinking about you. It's like, no, sometimes it's not my best friend. Like sometimes yeah. it's someone I haven't talked to in like years or you call someone and they go, I was just thinking about you. Like I, or I just two days ago, I almost called you, but, and I got yes. busy, you know, this it's like, no. wait, what? Like why this would that happen? This happened recently where I was like thinking about my old band director. It's so weird. And he called me like my old bandwagon. So this person is still a bandwagon. They're very busy. They see, they, you know, see tons of kids. They've had tons of kids in their classes over the years. And this person randomly out of the blue decided to call me, you know? And I was like, wow, that's so weird. I was just thinking about you. And then he said some things that I really needed to hear, I felt like. And I got to say some things to him that I was like, you know, the last time we talked, I'd been thinking about this a lot. And I, you know, you really said some things that really helped me, and I just wanted to say thanks, you know? And I was like, this is so weird and serendipitous. Yeah, see, I don't understand. 
Some people will probably say, like, there's so many gradations of what people believe is happening. I think a lot of people think, I think this is actually a common belief, as woo-woo as it sounds, but like that we like are emitting things like into the universe, basically. Like that, energies or yeah, like something. something is something like that is 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 tangible and palpable. And why wouldn't it be? Because I don't know what a magnetic field is, but I know you can't see it. Yeah, it's almost like uh, this is the idea behind manifesting. And though that gets kind of like woo woo and dumb, but I think there is something there. Maybe I yeah. Don't know. I mean, I personally, I don't believe in space. So like, and I mean not just I don't believe in outer space like outer space is like the fullest extrapolation of the thing I don't believe in which is a void like it's a vacuum mm. like it's almost doesn't make there it, there really is there even and there really isn't a such a thing as a pure vacuum I can't imagine that that is possible because there would have to be no space there at all oh that's a weird idea interesting hmm. so I think there it's more likely I again outdated idea but i think it's getting a little bit of a resurgence that maybe we actually live in something more like whatever we you know we originally thought that we lived in an ether that there actually yeah. is something even though there's not doesn't seem to be anything between me and the window there actually is lots of stuff and and i'm moving through it and it's not just the particles it's i think it's easy to dismiss like ether because you're like well ether's like a fluid people like describe it like a fluid and that doesn't make sense and it's like yeah but clearly it's not that much like a fluid it doesn't have to be the thing you think of when you think of it and then dismiss it. it as if you're dismissing it based on that thing you're thinking about it, maybe that detail isn't a correct detail about the thing you're thinking of. You know what I mean? Like it could be anything, mm -hmm. but that could that would make more sense and be actually be less woo-woo if I'm if we're sitting next to each other and I start to get like a nervous feeling and I don't and you're like reading a book, but you like look up and you're like Mm, yeah. you know like you know what i mean you can sometimes you can just sense things like that and i get that there's subtle cues but yeah. i think that maybe but if not you know if there was no cue and you picked up on something then the fact that we're interacting in a in a world that's actually all connect really connected not there's no actual vacuum or space and stuff like that between us there's actual connections that you just mm. can't see happening all the time that actually makes sense to me and furthermore it seems like we have iron in our blood coursing through our body and mm -hmm. when you move metal particles there's like there's charges in all in everything like every, all the molecules and stuff have different charge i mean you would obviously be creating if not creating a field creating disturbances in the field you know just by existing like how are we alive mm, like what is yeah. life like what is the vital essence is it i mean if there's electricity happening inside of my body so they tell me then that's something you know there's yeah well to what you're saying a second ago too it's like i mean i've heard stories of people who have like notion i guess it's not like a premonition but it, i mean some people do report premonitions which is maybe something similar but like when like twins or people who are really close like if they're far apart like they can know somehow when the other one something has happened to them um, mm -hmm. Like people will report, like I knew that like my twin was diagnosed with cancer or was like in a car accident. Like I just felt something that had happened. Um, and I've had that experience too. Like Michael, my partner, one time I was like in, I was not with him and I had had this like intense personal interaction with this person. And, and it was later at night and then I was driving home 
And he was literally asleep and he like woke up out of his sleep. He told me, he was like, it was crazy. He was like, I woke up and I felt like I needed to call you. And just like, it was just very strange because I felt like maybe, yeah, I needed to talk to someone. And um, yeah, so stuff like that happens too. And then I've also thought too about back to the premonitions thing. There are also that, like when people have like premonitions and there's some sort of something about those interactions, like where I viscerally remember my grandma calling me days before she died. And I wasn't going to get to see her again. And I wasn't going to be able to go to her funeral. And I thought when she called me, I remember thinking, why is she calling me? Yeah. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, you are sounding kind of strange. And it, it didn't seem like she had anything really to tell me. She just wanted to say she loved me and you know hear my voice or something and I was like okay and I just remember thinking like this is weird like I didn't know what it was and then she died a couple days later and I found out that she had called quite a few people actually um and you know she had a heart attack so it wasn't like she uh no one could have expected it necessarily yeah it was just all of a sudden you know yeah, and she didn't know she was otherwise in decent health. You know, she could have lived five more years, ten more years. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, bad health, but decent health. Yeah, I uh, now I'm thinking about my dead grandma. It's sad, but um, <laughs> sad. I mean, she's my favorite grandma. So yeah, that that was weird. That's a whole other thing because she was different right before she died, but like right before she died, like she. Didn't she like yes. decide to quit smoking and quit drinking Coca-Cola? Like just did all these random things right at the last minute and then boom, yeah. dead. And it was like, hmm? Yeah. I don't know what that's about. I also, this is tangentially related, I think, that, no, it's not. I'm not even going to bring it up. We'll keep, or I could bring it up. I was just going to say, in in terms of meaning, things having meaning in the meaning of life. That's one of those things, especially because you brought her up. Now I'm thinking about it because I was really close with her and kindred spirits. Maybe probably I probably gained the other portion of my persona when she finally died because we are very similar, which may Mm. make people unhappy. I don't know because she didn't have there. People talked about her, you know, she's interesting lady. And uh, she is a difficult person to be around sometimes. She could be very challenging to be around. But if you and I did this a lot, I think more than most people in the family, I could I could just hang out with her. You know, I, you just have to, like, accept the moment you were in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and recognize. I think I knew I think because I knew that I was similar that I'm like, you just you are who you are at a certain mm-hmm. point, you know. And it would suck to always be being challenged about who you are, you know? Hmm. Now, do not apply that to this trans ideology. I think that's a different thing. I'm talking about like a 50-year-old lady who you you couldn't even explain trans ideology to. And just think about your grandmother. And do you love your grandmother? Who is that person? And... There were stories. I know that she was did not have an easy childhood. I know that she did not have an easy life, that it was unbelievably difficult. And if I could have 
I would have given her everything she wanted because not because she deserved it. In fact, possibly didn't deserve it, but all of the faults that people mm. found in her were, I, I, it's like, I don't want to, I would, I do excuse her. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I excuse her. I don't care. And actually mm. she has taught me this. I, I, I'm like on a fucking tirade here now. Just go but for I, re- I love it. I remember that when she died, I had so many different thoughts. And one of the thoughts was that, that like one of the things I learned from her, because I always struggled with like guilt and shame and things like that, like, and not mm. being whatever, who I want to be or the right kind of person or whatever. And as we've talked about before, growing up religiously, and that was highly con- contributory to all those negative feelings I had, because of course, as the saying goes, all, you know, have fallen short of the glory of God or whatever. Mm. And that you internalize that as a kid, or at least I did. And what I've like absolutely emphatically directly tangibly learned through interacting with her was that I don't know and I'm I'm willing to even allow this to not be true but I know it, it was true for me at one point it was it was I'm going to I'm going to say it the wrong way and then we can like unpack it but I'm just going to mm. say it the way that it came out I wouldn't really trust a god that cannot forgive as adequately as I can, you know, that doesn't have the capacity for love that I have for my grandmother. At least. Yeah. At least that you have to have at least that. And it doesn't mean that I thought everything she did was great. Sometimes she was very selfish sometimes, but that a lot of that was contextual, you know, like, is she, is she selfish or is she, alone in the basement, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with nobody to talk to about anything, nobody even remotely near her age to get along with, nobody that remembers what she remembers, has experiences that she has. Everyone's just tired of hearing the same stories over and over again. Sometimes they were what you would call sob stories, whatever, you know, like, oh God, we have to hear about your abusive dad again or whatever people complained about. Mm. And, uh, at least one thing for sure was that like there's a way of even viewing yourself that recognizes kind of all that shit and goes, I still love you. You know, like I miss you. I appreciated her. And there was at least, and there may be pure evil out there, but there was humanity in her. She was very giving. She would give you Mm -hmm. anything. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like she would give me anything that I asked yeah. for, basically. She was very so, generous with her time. I think that's the biggest thing I remember about her. She loved to play games, and she would do it for hours with you, even despite her physical ailments. Like, it would hurt her after a while because she had back pain and couldn't really walk. She had a limp. Um, but yeah. she would, try you to know, play a video game. muscle through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thing is, like, again, related to meaning here. There's like, what does it mean? Literally, I struggle with this all the time. Even Kim, I think, struggles with this because we were laying on the couch or in bed or something recently. I don't know if we were watching a show that brought it up or something, Mm. but I thought it. 
and she said it. So we both had the thought at the same time. And we say this from time to time. But she paused the TV and was like, can you believe that we have to die? Mm. You know? And it's like, this is coming from someone, her, who won't ride a roller coaster because it's too scary. And I'm like, is anything really scary, Kim? You know, that's like my point. I'm like, is anything, like, I just want to ride the roller coaster, to be honest. I haven't ridden one in a million years. But it's like, is anything really scary when you have to, like, it's like, because I always think about death like a line. You're in line for a roller coaster that you're too scared to get on. And you don't know mm. if at the last minute you can, you kind of always know, like, if I want to freak out, I'm allowed to, I can, it might be embarrassing, but I can freak out and not get on this ride. Death is not one of those. Mm. When you get to the front, there's actually, there's not even any getting out of line. It doesn't matter if you get to the front, to the back, you could change everything you want about the situation. You're getting on that ride and it's the scariest ride known to man. And it's called death. And we have no idea what that means. And when I think about it, what I, what comes up for me is, is like, what, like, I've probably said this a million times, teacher bingo cards out, but like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why am, why are we even here? Like, why, why live and die? Why be born and then die? Like, why, why either one and then both? And then why have all, what, what's the whole in-between part where I'm alive? Like, what am I supposed to be doing something? Like, is there a reason? Am I just supposed to work? Like, why do I have to work so much? Like, is that a part of this? I have just have to work all the Like, why am I fucking working? Like, what am I doing? I don't get it. I do not understand what anything means. And how come I can look around too at the same time, especially this time of year when everything's turning green, the weather's feeling great. And I have like a whole different feel. It's like I'm in a different person's body sometimes. I just walk around. I'm like, wow, it's like crazy out here. All this grass is, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it looks totally different. And I'm like, this is so cool. Like what a weird place to be on, you know, with all this stuff going on and like ivy that's poison and flowers that are neon and like trees that you can cut down and build houses out of. And I mean, just wild stuff, like all these bugs. And I mean, yeah. And then... And then at the same time, I'm like, why, why though? Is it, is it, I don't even know if it's good or bad. Like, is this like, did the devil make this? Or is this like God's creation? Like, I, I mean, metaphorically or figure or, or literally, I don't know, you know, but it's just like, what is it? Yeah. I guess my, my thought just generally on that is like, it's uh it's both, you know, it's like, I think. The good things and the bad thing, you know, like did the devil make it? Did God make it? It's like, well, there there are bad things and there are good things, and the bad things exist to exalt the good things, kind of like we mentioned in the last episode. Um, and yeah, and there's something too. I think like you couldn't have a life if you didn't have a birth and a death, and so you need something, um, kind of. But to... we we it seems like we must have. There must be something after death. Otherwise, yeah. what? Oh. I, I could be like an antinatalist. A what? I think so. Antinatalism. Look look that up. I can't what reach my that? computer anymore. Antinatalism. Anti and then natal, like N-A-T. Okay. The philosophical position that views birth and procreation of sentient beings as morally wrong. Oh, interesting. So that, yeah. So it's like without there being something, 
then, yeah. then that seems like the logical conclusion is that yes. like, hey, I get it that there's like some cool stuff here, but also it's like a you just like you pop out and you just get in line to die. And it's like, why? Yeah. And well, death can, can come, to, come to you in so many ways. And the line, your experience in the line can be, oh, so, so different. You know, like, it's like, like, please, somebody explain what the fuck is going on here. Well, I think, yeah, that's kind of the the antinatalism seems to flow from this argument that I've heard, like, oh, what kind of God would create us so that we have to die or something? And I think my thought about that is, like, one, I think it's you have to take a transcendent view. Like, like you can't have a life without death. Like, if it yeah. were, you know, everlasting, you would not know it. Um, it's like meaning comes because it's time bound because it has to end but then i think too there's also like a transcendent why would you bother teaching why would you bother teaching somebody any lesson especially when the greatest lesson of all is the exact point at which their utter existence and consciousness is terminated so there must be a you after that Mm. that can hold on to whatever the fuck it was that you're supposed to be learning otherwise why would i learn anything if, well, that's I, I was if there's say, nothing afterwards you know <laughs> too yeah i think there's some transcendent view of death you can take too um i read about this in this buddhist book um i can't i think it's the diamond the diamond sutra by Thich Nhat han i hope i'm getting his name right but uh the diamond sutra is like a teaching uh it's very interesting it's very short and it's very beautiful but uh it talks about, and he talks about in the book, this concept of interbeing. He's like, this idea of like life and death, he's like, it really, he's like, we can understand that because we experience it viscerally. And obviously there's, you know, just at some fundamental, like people die and then yeah. you won't be in And we have, a, we have a awareness of time. So we know right. that we can, we can, we can like anticipate it. Yeah. But he's like, but at some higher level, if you think about like just life in the universe, He's mm-hmm. like, everything just kind of inter is like, this is the way that it is because that is the way that that is. And that. So we're like the deer where I can look out as a third party and go, it's sad, but it's, but it's like part of the, it's like part of the beauty of the whole cycle. Yes, like, yeah. The, exactly. The lion has to r- rip the uh, throat out of a living elk God. and eat its liver while it's basically still alive. And that's somehow part of this like beautiful, I can look at that from afar and as a whole of nature and realize that everything, I mean, for God's sake, I'm like growing mushrooms. The whole thing that mushrooms do is essentially are part of that low, low level of decomposing like the last bits of trash. Right. And growing recycling. Yeah. Right. And exactly. That's what I was going to say. He was making this point. He's like, oh, the chairs that you sit on in this room or whatever. He's like, those are the trees and and the sunlight and the rain and the air. And it's like, it's all there, you know, like these things may have changed form. And he's like, but they're not dead or whatever. Like they're all interconnected and they all interexist. And so he was like this, you know, term interbeing, like everything just inter is. And I think that that's a very calming notion. In a way, but every question comes back to <laughs> why something instead of nothing? Like, like, I get it, and I can even go, wow, that is beautiful. I could still go, but why is it beautiful? Why, why not just not? 
Like, how come just not anything? Like, that would be, that seems fine too. Like, just, there's not words in our vocabulary to say the sentence that makes sense of what I'm saying, but it's basically why be there anything at all? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I did want to say this other thing, and we can come back to that in a second. Um, like, so I was talking about the NDEs thing, the near-death experiences, and I was keeping watching this series or whatever, and there's these, they go through these mediums, you know, mediums are people who talk to, like, dead people, and it all seems hokey, and I'm sure some of it is fake, but some, it's like, it seems like too much to me for it all to be fake, um, like, too many, there's too many different mediums doing weird things for it all to be just completely nonsense, and I don't know what they're experiencing, I don't know if, like, it's technically real or whatnot, like, if you thought about, like, what they're literally saying, is, like, that literally happening? I don't know. But something is happening, and whatever these people are experiencing seems like some sort of interconnected consciousness beyond death. Like, these people are accessing, I don't know, memories, like, thoughts, experiences that are not currently present and are were other people's experiences at other times. And then you could think about that too, though. That's like, we also kind of embody that. Like, that's kind of what the idea of archetypes is, that like, actually there's some base level of like continuity of storage between, of like past human experiences and the possibilities of human experience. And that's like what the archetype represents is like that storage of like all of human knowledge and experience. It's like, yeah, some vessel of that. I don't know. Like, we don't know what it is. We're just like, there's something that seems to be like that. And that's what I was thinking, too, about back to serendipity. I almost thought, like, serendipity is kind of like what you do in a good conversation, too. Like, when I feel like our conversations really get going well, it's like that chasing, you know, the golden thread of the conversation. You're, like, following wherever it leads you or whatnot, and you don't know where it's going to go. But there's something about everything that comes up that seems so serendipitous and connected. And I think that that's almost like the spirit of life. I feel like that's what it is when you experience it in a good conversation. Like it's rejuvenating. It's enlivening. Um, yeah. Something like, like the, that. Gr- the Grateful Dead song. I've probably mentioned this before because it's so it, it really hit me one time when I was listening to the Grateful Dead. And I don't even I'm not even one of those people that has to be high to appreciate the Grateful Dead. And I, <laughs> yes, I, I also understand that they were a asset of the CIA. I, I completely appreciate that. However, they're the greatest garage band ever lived. And one of their songs says, wake up, wake up to find out that you are the eyes of the world. And something about that to me is so true because it, it allows there to be something very fundamental that is, it's very much, actually what it reminds me of is Descartes, the philosopher possibly like one of the kind of found founding fathers of modern western philosophy i think therefore i am is that's descartes right yes that's the quote i was going to bring up i think mm. therefore i am it's like very similar it's like what what he was basically doing is like everything could be i could be being tricked like imagine that there's some like evil entity that can control kind of everything like everyone could be robots or like triangles could be four-sided, but I can't see it. You know, the, everything's, everything is one way and I see it the other. We're in the evil computer simulation run by yes. Dr. Evil. Who knows? <laughs> and his whole thing was fundamentally I'm thinking. So I am a thinking thing. So I think therefore I am. And that it wasn't saying that's the only thing you can believe. 
in fact he i can't remember so i won't say but like his kind of like logic or philosophy to like regather all the things now i can like try to build upon this fundamental thing but essentially that's what the grateful dead lyrics to me are like what what is going like what are we doing like what are people and we are Mm. and at least i think that's like a it's like one step above just i think therefore i am it's like we're definitely observing. So it's like, I think, and then like, what am I also doing? Like I'm, I'm thinking about the things I experience and like see with your eyes or metaphorically see with your mind or whatever, you know, however you want to think about that. Mind's eye. Yeah. Yeah. So like whatever thoughts even are Descartes, come on, go deeper. That notion that, you know, we're the eyes of the world, I think implies that like, we're also kind of doing something as we, observe like because that's what these conversations are like you were just saying like Mm. we're we're like looking at reality Mm, well that's what a good conversation is too you're like inspecting something you're both like in this cooperative investigation of something yeah and if even for no other reason just to be like oh i see because i can see all sorts of things i wanted to see whatever i wanted to see rainbows and gold in a world of Mm. peace and harmony and wealth and prosperity but i woke up and i found out that I see everything. I see mm. the worst things I could ever possibly imagine. And the people will do the worst things that you could possibly imagine. And people will do the greatest things you could ever imagine. So it's like the difference between like the satanic mm. lizard people, pedophiles, and like Jesus Christ, you know, the worst guy in the world, and then Jesus Christ dying for his sins, you know, it's like this, and then everything in between. A huge gulf, yeah. We also have this thing called judgment. These are like kind of fundamental, like philosophical quandaries, you know, even from like ancient times. So I'm judging the world too. And and I'm in the world and I'm being judged as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And by the way, I just want to point out, we don't mean judging like morally valence judgment. Like you just, you have to discriminate between, that's how you can, objects appear to you. It's like you've judged, like this is a different thing than that thing. And that's judgment on a basic level. Right. I can watch the lion attack the gazelle and I can go, oh, that looks horrible. That's no good. I'm the eyes of the world after all. And then I, I'm, I go, oh, how bad, you know, how bad for the gazelle? How, how good for the lion? At least the lion has cubs it has to feed. And now those cubs will survive. And, you know, there's other gazelle and, I guess this has to happen at some point. I'm not like I'm judging it. I'm judging it as good. I'm judging it as bad. I'm judging right. it as it happy. Up I'm to that, it as sad. Of course. There's yeah. there's all sorts of things to be judged about any situation or scenario or whatever. Well, I wanted to go back. I do think the Descartes thing. It's interesting. People really do get that inverted. I think people take Descartes to mean, I think therefore I am, and they say that all being is is just thinking. And I think that that's actually inverted. What I think he meant really was like the question, how do I know that this is real? How do I know that what I'm experiencing is real? And one thing I can know for sure is that I'm thinking. And that is a good, solid, very basic piece of evidence that this is real. Don't get it twisted. His whole goal was to send this philosophical paper he was working on. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was that work to the church and be like, here's how I proved that. God's real or something, you know, like he, that's how far he goes. And it's an interesting way of thinking. And there's all these, if you follow like philosophy memes and stuff online, like so many, there's like, it's so common to see like a meme that's like a Descartes, like crying point of view, you know, when 
every freshman philosophy student debunks your entire debate in one class or your your entire arguments, your entire philosophical, you know, uh, opus in one, in, in one 30 minute. Yeah. In one 30 minute lesson. And, uh, and it does, and it does, and it doesn't, you know, like, yeah, we like to just go and this is what Descartes thinks and this is why he's wrong next, but it's, he's not, it's not that simple. You can yeah, exactly. be a scholar of Descartes. So Fantastic. being Descartes, the eyes of the world and these judging creatures, I think at some point the judgment, we also have, again, another kind of philosophically fundamental thing about us, this action. Like we are beings that move in the world. You know, we we're motile. We don't, we're not mm. just in one spot. So we, and we are three dimensional. So they say like we extend into space or the ether and we manipulate our environment, you know, so with that judgment and that observation, I think it does seem, as we were just talking about with the, with our grandmother, this concept of love and that somehow, as every adage goes, the answer is love. Somehow, that's the answer. Mm. Mm. And I do think, I think even now as I contemplate it deeply that like my even sitting here in a, in a moment, I can, I can decide that my greatest regret before I died was that I just didn't transmit that enough. And I think that that's where we get these sayings and these like lessons that like all this stuff in this world goes away and passes away and it's nothing. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that and you like, you're like, yeah, but I mean, like I'm here and shit can be one way or the other, but it's like, actually that is true. But gun to your head literally a gun to your head all of that literally stops mattering and you you're not going to worry in that moment more than likely i'm about to die and i don't have a million dollars because they're that right. just it's so useless in the moment before your death and that moment again is a it's a ride you cannot avoid you are going to die and i'm overwhelmed with the the notion that all of that stuff it's not even going to cross your mind. All that's going to cross your mind is like this, I think expression of love and the internal recognition of it. I think you can even, I think you could regret that, like just harboring like too many yeah. of love, love's opposites, you know, like, Oh, I should have let that go sooner or whatever, you know, this, like, what are those things that are going to fly across your mind? And especially if you, an easy way to think here, let me help you think of this morbid thought. Imagine dying, but you can't get a hold of the person or the people that you love the most and you have to die alone. You don't even get the chance to say anything to anybody. Like how fucked are you in that moment? According to you, as you die, it's going to be like, somebody give me a fucking pencil and a paper. I need to tell some people some things immediately. Even though, even if I have told them a hundred times, I think you would still be compelled to be like, I have to say, I need to say it again. I need to make sure that, and how much weight have we throughout all of our like archetypal history put on like final words? Like even a criminal gets his last words. Why? Like, why, why did we have that compulsion yeah. to be like, Hey, we're about to hang you, uh, but we are going to give you the graces of last words. Would you like to say anything just out of your mouth hole? Would you like words to come out right now? A certain series of words? Well, that was the interesting thing. So I was watching that medium stuff, the near death experiences, and people were talking about reaching to the other side and connecting with loved ones who had passed. Um, 
And the thing that I thought was so intriguing about it was that people kept saying this, and it was, I need to communicate with them. I need to make contact. I need to tell them something, you know? And I just thought, it is like one of the most basic fundamental human urges to communicate, like man's need to explain himself. But And I think that that's a very superficial thing to say it that way. But like your need to, I think, express love or express, yeah, something like that. I was That tells you how vital that very fundamental philosophical notion mm. I was talking about is your action and your behavior. Your talking is an action. It's like it's like moving. The fact that you want to do that, or that I, the fact that we even have that notion at all, says to me that that really truly is something very fundamental about the human condition or the human experience. Is like is not just judging, but motion as well, like action behavior. It's like your last stitch effort to do like a people-y thing which is sit here and say a thing and right to affirm something true yeah finally ultimately i was gonna say too i think kind of what you were saying about you know you want to call your loved ones and if you had a gun to your head you know in your last moments you know you'll think about you know maybe not loving adequately enough or enough and i think that Maybe immediately you can think about that on a superficial level and be like, oh, I, I wasn't kind enough to people. I wasn't nice enough. But I think kind of to your point earlier, too, it's like what we're the eyes of the world. We wake up and we see not just the beautiful things, but also the ugly things. And we see it all. And I think that there's some transcendent love, too, that like sometimes love is difficult and love doesn't always feel good. And I think you can regret those things, too, and that there there's like a really deep like not just the superficial, like, oh, I did, I wasn't good enough, didn't make people feel good enough my life. But like, I didn't, you know, when this person was struggling, I didn't be honest with them and say, look, I think you need some help. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have the courage to tell them that, you know, and risk our relationship over it. Or like our last conversation with romance, you know, like if you only, you didn't do that kind of love that's like sacrificial in a sense, you know. That right, like, like you weren't honest, like that kind of loving honesty. Or I gave you gift after gift after gift, but what you wanted was, I, I don't you know, what, you know, whatever the love language is like. I, you know, what you really wanted was my help with this, with something, or right. you know, like you yeah. wanted more of my time. You wanted to do boring things that I didn't want to do, and I didn't do them. And I, that's I'm like I'm highly sensitive to that stuff because I'm like, mm. you know, like I'm I'm not really there. I'm like in my head doing mm -hmm. like other stuff all the time. And it makes you like not capable of sitting down for long periods of time. And it's not really a sacrifice once you realize that it's not mm. just about you doing this thing you don't want to do for someone else. Where just like when I would sit with grandma, like the same kind of thing. It's like, I got to like put myself in this place where you can't just try really hard to, to not be as bored as you are. That is not going to work. It's like the kind of place you have to put yourself in is I want to spend time with this person. She is literally going to die soon. And I definitely have empathy for her and I, I want, and then as you like have these thoughts and you put yourself in that place, you're like, you get to a point where you're like, I want to sit here with you. Like, you know, like it to goes a whole 180. We're like, I want us to be sitting here smoking, chain smoking cigarettes with you. This is fun as shit. <laughs> you know, like I almost miss smoking because it like reminds yeah. me of my grandma and like, so. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's one of your strengths. Um, and yeah, I was going to say too, thinking about grandma you know, you could think about her kind of, you know, we mentioned, hinted at, you know, she's a little selfish, maybe um, we talked about that. 
And maybe it was just difficult to have a relationship with her. But the thing I did find curious and I do think about quite a bit is that she was she loved to play games and um she loved to have fun. Yeah. And games in particular. I love games, um, probably because she loved games. Um, And I think, you know, it has a very deep metaphorical meaning to me because life is like a game. Um, Like social community is a game. Like you have to abide by social rules, like in order to interact with people. And that's like what a game is. A game is like your relationships in a nutshell. And so it was always it's always stuck with me kind of interestingly that she was very good at games and she loved games. Um, Yeah. And I thought, yeah, she's, you know, in a way you could say, you know, she wasn't very good. Um, having relationships with people, but I think that revealed something deep about her understanding about relationships. How many times did we hear the story of when she went to see her dead father in the casket and she uh, yelled at him and blah, 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 and told him she forgave gave him or whatever? You know, you've heard that story, I'm mm, sure. Mm-hmm, probably, yeah. And uh, I don't know what she had to get over or what that trauma was. And a lot of people way after the fact that never got to witness that really just got tired of the story, but it could have literally been one of the most fundamentally important things that she ever did in her whole life was for her father to die, who abused the shit out of her and who she dearly loved and had no ability to figure out how to cope with that situation. And then he died. And this crazy, chain-smoking, manual labor, poor person who falls asleep with cigarettes in her mouth on 100 pain pills a day had an experience you didn't even probably ever consider she was capable of. In fact, that seemed to be the thing that was so annoying about her is that she was totally incapable of that kind of life, that kind of experience. And that all that mattered was cigarettes and... Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. And whatever else I want to say today, you know, but it was, it's not, it's way more than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I think, uh, yeah, well, one, I think looking back in history, I guess, I think we overestimate how much people have changed psychologically. Like I think psychologically, probably people haven't changed all that much over the history and time. Like I think people were having just as vivid and as deep and meaningful uh, conscious experience as we're having today and maybe even more meaningful. I think there's something to me, I guess I always think of like, there's no increasing or decreasing. That's another thing back to that Buddhist teaching is always just trade-offs to me. Like things are just changing. You know, they trans, uh, they transmute, you know, they change from one form to another. And so I look at our society and I think, wow, we're very materialistic. We've made incredible material transformations. And I guess my thought is always, what what are we transforming into material? And I I think maybe there's like some psychic cost to that. I'm like, I think maybe we've done that at the expense of the richness and vividness of our conscious experience or something, or like the depth of our relationships is less, you know, yes. we've like traded that for something. And I think what you're saying is totally intuitive and that anybody could would just that's hearing this is gonna go, totally. But I also will postulate this and see your reaction. What we're talking about, all these things, and like, like we're getting like choked up about our grandmother dying, who died, God, I don't even know how many years ago now. And it's like, would you say 
I because I'm thinking maybe this is true that we are more as like uh, all like people on the planet, a people, or, or the people that our culture. Well, I don't know what it's like other places, but you know, people in general, from what I can tell, whatever that means, seem actually to be more sensitive to these things. Which, which kind of back to what you were saying a second ago with all this other stuff, this materialistic world we live in, all this, I think some, all this trans stuff that's going on, all this political stuff that's going on, all the social, that that becomes just like such minutia, like so much distraction. And it's like part of the like meaningfulness that we've been talking about that like starts to bubble up and it's like, this is what's like, this is the kind of stuff like that's really going on. Like all the time, mm. and it's like almost. You got to say, you got to get it out. That's the words that you got to communicate. As you're dying yeah. words, it's not even because it's not even like tangible stuff. It's like ethereal stuff. That's like it's it's like feelings and whatever the other confusing shit is. You know, that's like you can chalk it up to like biology and whatever. But it's like gotta exercise the demons, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Well, yeah, we should probably put it to rest there, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>